0: You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 64. We're talking to Jonathan Malm about looking towards the future as a church and how to embrace it instead of running from it. This is going to be a great conversation, so can't wait for this. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, before he throws another fit.
0: Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. Today I am so excited. Um, there's there's a couple of people out there that when I can get them on the show, um, it's kind of a hallmark, kind of a milestone for me. And today's guest is one of them, and I can't wait to share this conversation we had because Jonathan Malm is a futurist when it comes to church and tech. And looking just to see what's on the horizon, especially when dealing with ne- what used to be millennials and now dealing with Gen Z, Generation Z, that's coming up behind the millennials, who are now old enough to really be a big part of your church if they're not. So um, it's a new conversation we're starting to have. So he's been talking to some Generation Z guys and and, and gra- gals, guys and gals, some people and uh, getting some answers for some research he's been doing. He's got a new book coming out. He's going to tell you all about that. It's going to be great. So if you want the show notes for everything we talk about, which you do, I promise you do, go to SethMuse.com slash 64, and we're going to talk with Jonathan Mom about uh, just being ready for the future. Uh, of church ministry and kind of look into where we're going and maybe look at some of the mistakes we've made in the past and how we can learn from those as well. So today, if you haven't joined the Seminary of Hard Knocks Facebook group, go to sethmuse.com slash group. And I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram at the Seth Muse. Sorry, that's Twitter at Seth Muse. And uh, just follow me over there. I'm putting some good stuff out there. I hope it's good stuff. I'm enjoying interacting with you for sure at both those places. And last ask of the day, I would love for you to go and give this podcast a rating or review. A review is is awesome in the iTunes store. So look me up, give me a review. If you really like what you hear, that helps me a ton. I'd love to hear your feedback. If Even if you're like, this podcast is terrible, let me know. Let me know why you think it's terrible so I can look to the future and improve on what I'm doing. So. Let's get to the conversation with Jonathan Malm. I'm so glad he came on the show and uh, I look forward to having him back on the show several times after this. Can't wait. Let's talk about the future with Jonathan Malm. Hit it. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. And I'm excited to be with my guest here, Jonathan Malm. Jonathan, welcome to the show, man.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so glad to get to talk to you. We had a great conversation in the actual church communications, big Facebook group uh, on Instagram. And it was really, really fun. Disagreed about some stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> I had a great time. Um,
1: so nobody t- disagrees on those, those groups. though. is the thing. <laughs> People are super it, respectful, never offended yeah. by stuff. Yeah.
0: It's really annoying how I know. I agreeable. wish they get
1: more offended and more riled up about things that really, really don't matter.
0: Right. Like <laughs> should kids be in your service or should you kick them out? Let's talk about uh, I mean, that clearly, for
1: 300 days. Clearly you should just kick them out. Like kids are not welcome in church. No, Jesus cares? doesn't want them.
0: I mean, my gosh, who, who wants them in there?
1: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> we are some facetious jerks. That's awesome. Yes. I love it.
1: Clearly joking.
0: Hopefully <laughs> that. Well, it, it's, it was, it was really great to talk with you and, and, got a lot of good response. And so, um, I was like, man, this guy got to bring him on the show because you've done some incredible stuff so far at your ripe young age of, you know, not very old. So
1: 5,000, uh, 5,000
0: days old, <laughs> Yes,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> 5,000 days old. Uh, dude, you've, you've written a couple of books. What are all the books that you've written? I know you're unwelcome.
1: What else? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've one coming out July 31st called the comeback effect, uh, which is a book really about Shifting the service, your church service from being a, a, a place of service, a place of like you're doing something for a guest to instead shifting it to hospitality, where uh, you really care more about the feelings of the guest and you infuse feeling into what you do. And wrote that with my friend Jason Young, and it's pretty exciting that that's coming out. Uh, and then Unwelcome, you mentioned, which is uh, kind of almost a precursor to the comeback effect about really making guests feel welcome. And then I've written a creative devotional called Created for More, and then a book that helps you solve life's problems creatively by tapping into God's creativity called The Hidden Option.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And all of those I've seen passed around. I've actually read Unwelcome. When I came to my new church, It's um, I, I actually had it with me and I, I went over to my connections director I said, here, have you read this? And <laughs> she was like, Nope. And I was like, read it. It's you need it. Read it. It's awesome. It's,
1: it's one of those nice passive aggressive tools you can do where you can yeah. like give it to someone and hope they read the chapter that you're really wanting to tell them.
0: <laughs> read it. I marked a few things for you. you know? I might've highlighted some stuff yeah. for me, not for you,
1: but if you find it interesting,
0: <laughs> it was really cool too. Cause our, our connections director is our connections pastor. I should say, uh, she's, she's really good already. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, awesome. I bet you will like this book. And so, she was like, I'll, she read it like a day. It was great. Yeah. She loved it. So, That's awesome. So uh, yeah, so you've contributed quite a bit to the communication, the connections world, and um, you've you've seen some changes coming, uh, and you talked about it just a second ago in in this new book that you have about the kind of a change in perspective on guest connections, more from, uh, well, more to a hospitality type approach and I think yeah. most of us would probably go well we have that what would you say is the like real quick just like the big difference in what we do now and what you're you're proposing
1: Yeah. Here's the thing that, that we love to do in churches is we love to create tasks for people to do. So we create a parking lot team and the parking lot team has a checklist. And if they did everything on the checklist, then they have done their job successfully. Uh, unfortunately that's not really what makes a guest feel welcome. Like frankly, a guest doesn't care if the coffee was out or if the, 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 a fresh box of Kleenex was put under each pew, or the cones were placed out. Like they don't actually care about that. What they care about is is the feeling that you're able to give them when they come in. So uh, you know, a, a friendly smile, or that that dance, that little jig you do whenever people are driving into your parking lot, or giving a kid a high five. Those are the things that really create hospitality that make people feel like, man, I, I belong here. Like they want me here. Because yeah. frankly, it, like nobody cares what you do. They care how they feel about. What you did, yeah. So that's really the big shift that uh, Jason really was. Uh, you know, Jason, he read Unwelcome. He's like, man, I'd like to write work on a book with you. So we talked about it, and he he brought up that idea, and I'm like, man, that's powerful. That's a huge thing. So we worked yeah. through those concepts and uh, what he does at North Point Ministries and 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 what I've done and some of the other stuff, and we just kind of came together and came came up with a pretty cool book. But yeah, I think that's a huge shift that that needs to happen because I think here's the thing. I actually, uh, uh, sorry, I'm dominating the conversation here. So jump in and rest no, okay. me. No way. No, no, it's good. But uh we have this launch team and they and and I asked them this question. I said, you know, what is the main thing that keeps people from coming back to your church, right? Uh, and the big answer that they got that they perceived was that Other things were competing for their time. So like, you know, either spending time with the kids or feeling like they can experience God elsewhere. Uh, There there are all these things like, man, I don't prioritize coming back to church. I don't prioritize returning for one reason or another. And I think the reason that is a lot of times is because we're shifting away in the church from being a content culture where previously— you know, the mega church model was we create an amazing worship set. We created an amazing message that's relevant. And that's going to draw people because it's something they can't get anywhere else, right? Right. But now YouTube, where I can get an even better message than your pastor can speak. I can get even better worship than your worship team can do. Like I can get all of that stuff at the click of a button. It's it's not difficult. I can get right. that on my phone. So there's a shift away from that where now people are like I think churches are wrestling with like, well, what can we provide people during our Sunday morning service that they can't get on YouTube or they can't get anywhere else? And I think that's one shift uh, that that's one reason that, you know, that whole liturgical movement that's happening right now is happening because, man, liturgy, that old school church thing, that's something you can't really get outside of church. Right. So there's that's one way churches are doing that. I think that's uh, a
0: systematic that- way to do things. It's like it mm-hmm. provides some structure into a life that feels very unstructured and chaotic.
1: Well, and the idea of something sacred, these sacred texts, mm-hmm. and not that the texts are sacred, but they've been passed down, you know, throughout generations, yeah. which is pretty cool. Or, you know, my church, actually, we we do everything as a party. So there's this community element. When you walk in, you're like, man, I feel like I'm a part of a party, or I feel like I'm a part of like a bunch of friends. And it's, it's, it's the thing that you can't really get outside of the church the way that we do it. So I think that's a big shift churches are having to make. And I think the churches that are identifying that are being successful. And the ones that aren't are like, they're frustrated. Why are not people coming back? And they're trying to do the same thing. You know, they're still trying to do the mega church model, which I think this can happen within mega churches. Like my church is growing really fast, but I think that whole model of amazing worship, amazing message that will draw people, that's not enough. That's not really what draws people anymore.
0: Right. And that's going to be, and, and man, that's been the case. For so long now, mm-hmm. I think early 2000s were that's so long. It's only like 18, 20 years, but, but it, like, <laughs> it was it's a long, time, it's ago, a long time in the church world, you know, like or at least in the world of computers and we're we, 16
1: year olds who didn't live back then. Like that's yes. and, and, they're and so a different generation.
0: It's a mindset that has to shift. And I think one of the most difficult things for a church to do is to shift a mindset. And oh, yeah. do you, I mean, Why why do you think we struggle so much to change or see that horizon? I mean, are we set up in a way that we're actually not able to do it?
1: Well, so I was actually talking to my brother about this. I was telling him about what I was going to talk about on this podcast and he said he actually spoke about this this morning at the church where he, where he preaches. So, mm. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty fun." So, there's this concept in in uh psychology called the JND. It's called just noticeable difference. So, for instance, if there's a dimmer switch, like a light with a dimmer switch, someone can start messing with that and if they do it slowly enough, you probably won't notice a change. But eventually, there'll be a ju- like the D for you. Will be like oh wait something's changing at some point yeah. you're gonna start noticing a change right right and so the the thing that happens is you can either be like well I'm it must not be I, I must just be like it must be a trick of the mind or you could acknowledge it and be like wait and now start paying attention more right mm-hmm. and I think some people's just noticeable differences they that number is larger for some people and I think sometimes because we're resisting we're like well surely that's not really like, that's not really happening, you know. Surely that's not what's going on, uh, and so we kind of delude ourselves into avoiding the change. And so something that I've been trying to do lately is I am trying, I, I'm trying to understand that the world is constantly changing, whether or not I notice it, or whether or not it's within my perceived, uh, you know, within my perceived J and D, right? So what I'm doing instead is I'm saying, okay, the world is changing. I know it is. I might not see it yet, but I'm going to do my research and try to figure out how it's changing. Uh, So that's a big shift I've been making in in my personal things. I've actually met with some like some generation Z, some students, and I've just been starting to ask them questions like, hey, you know, what do you wish the next generation could do for you? How are you using social media differently? Uh, How do you use stories? What grabs your attention? What makes you skip something? You know what? uh, So I'm just asking these questions because uh, because I think it's I want to change before. I noticed the change, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
0: You want to, you want to kind of stay with them as you're, cause I mean, part of that journeying kind of concept, whereas we mentor the next generation. Well, the next generation often is, is on this curve of change that they're, they're in the middle of it because it's their generation that's mostly bringing it. And, mm-hmm. and for our generation, that's a little bit above or above or ahead of them or older than them, whatever. Um, we're kind of like, we found our medium, we found where we like to be, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's hard to come out of that and go, I'm going to walk with you. And, and be there with you, even though none of this is going to make sense to me or it's going to seem stupid to me or, um, like whenever I get the question for Instagram specifically, like what's the point in doing Instagram stories if they only last 24 hours? Uh My response is what makes you think that lasting 24 hours isn't valuable?
1: You know, it's like, I mean, you do the same thing with a message. How is that valuable? Right? Exactly.
0: I mean, it's like the same question. Why would I do a one message a week if I only lasts for 45 minutes? You know, Mm -hmm. why would I put so much time and, you know, 20 hours of some of the pastors are studying for like 20, 30 hours a week for a message that they're going to, in a lot of places give once it's going to last 45 minutes the most. And then it's not even recorded. You yeah. know, it's for, for a lot of churches. So I'm like, why or, would you put so much you know, time into that? You
1: wouldn't want to admit this, but Pat, like nobody's actually listening to the podcast, right? Like, unless you're doing a phenomenal job at the recording quality. Well, and I like the tag, to think
0: that there people. are a lot of people listening to this podcast. If you don't, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: no, I, I mean like I mean, the podcast of the, of the message of the right. church. I know you, what you mean. Like yeah, we're not,
0: we're not listening yeah. to the kind of podcasts that are like sermons. a, yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. Uh, and the people that listen to those are the ones that miss church or they live remote or they can't get out of the house, you know, which is, which is great. I mean, it's good to provide that, but I feel like that's such a small group. It's like, let's not make a policy about that. You know, overseas, yeah, you're not getting
1: twice as many podcast listeners as you are on your Sunday morning. Right.
0: Right. You're not. And and if you are getting, uh, you're not getting a podcast listener, what you're getting is someone going to your on demand page on your website and watching it on video there. So yeah. it's just about how, how are you going to get that content? What they are watching, what the podcasts that people are listening to are the ones that are story based or they have a lot of practical how to and help or there there's something that's entertaining about them you know it's all
1: entertainment value really <laughs> oh my gosh it
0: really is and that's for me i love that my church lets me kind of try to play with that a little bit but mm-hmm. um a lot of them don't and or don't have yeah. that freedom and i think i think that that's the shift i think for churches that for me personally i see that we avoid is that we we've, we've hammered it home that entertainment is not good for yeah. so long in the church. And I think you and I really agree on this because we have this kind of in common. We both really value a good laugh and, and, mm-hmm. and value something that's just fun for fun's sake. Cause it builds yeah. that community. We see how that builds a community and a relationship and that's valuable. Uh, yeah. But a lot of us in the church world, especially in leadership, it's like, man, it, what we are doing is too important to mess around. I was like, exactly. It's too important to not mess around.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: It's like, it's too important not to have fun doing it and make people want to join yeah. you. It's like, it's yeah. a completely different mindset. But anyway, I think there's a lot of change on the horizon for the church, especially in tech. Um, what do you, what do you, what would you say if the church is like looking out there and seeing like, okay, here's some changes on the horizon, whether it's, uh, we have a generation that's coming up that's starting to take over leadership or we have, you know, some technology we need to embrace for our church because we're losing out on people here. What, whatever, like, podcasters, things like that, we've said, what would you say is a good strategy for a church that really needs to change?
1: I mean, the the real thing is, is valuing what that change is. So, um, you know i can i can i think what a lot of times what what people do is they they go into it like okay let's do the bare minimum possible to make this change so oh oh no all of our youth are on snapchat so we got to we got to go on snapchat and we'll make a profile and we'll post once a week like let's reach them there it, yet it means doing the bare minimum it it doesn't mean actually stepping into their world and understanding why they use snapchat and what's so appealing about it to them and why like so i think that's what happens is we're like I, I think there are churches that maybe not verbally but they're saying what's the bare minimum we can do to reach the next generation what how can we yeah. change as little as possible but still reach the next generation and that's a tragedy I think yeah. because that what that means is you're just paying lip service to them like you're just like okay what can I do so uh, and I think that happens a lot of times I, I think you know I, I've part of this whenever I've been talking to these generation Z students is I've been trying to like okay I need to I need to shift my my instagram i'm making my blog now my instagram right like th- that's a big change i'm doing is I'm, instead of blogging i'm posting on instagram yeah. and so what i was trying to do is i was you know okay i got to take a selfie because that's what gets engaged gets engagement and then i'm going to write this massive long post in the instagram caption and what they were saying is they're like i don't want to read a caption i want your i want what you're trying to tell me to be in the picture like i, I just yes. want the picture so what what we tend to do is we create a clever picture that gets your attention and then we're like, oh we hope they read the caption. But the thing is that's Twitter, right? Like right. Twitter is you remember those old video games where you would like climb down the stairs. Oh, the role player games? Yeah, grab yeah. grab the sword. I actually love right? it, it was all text-based, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, they text- were really fun games. Yeah. But then came graphic video games and they're a totally different beast, right? Like right. so I uh, almost think that Twitter is like the, the text-based game. And then Instagram and Snapchat are like the the graphic games, right? Yes. So it's a totally different scenario, um, and you play them different. You shouldn't you gotta yeah, you, you gotta think you, about them. Different. You shouldn't have to be reading a ton in a graphic based game right so one shift I've been realizing is like what they want to do is they want to see someone living the lifestyle that they want to live. So if my platform is how to live an uncommon life or how to think differently about stuff. I need to show them the ways that I do that in my life. I show them that. And so that's been a shift that I'm realizing I need to make. And I don't quite know how to make that yet. But uh, realizing that that's like I need to step into their world and say, okay, that's what I need to offer. Yeah, That's awesome. I
0: I actually just mm -hmm. read. I forget where who wrote it. I read it on Medium and I was reading this blog about why apple really like took off why pepsi took off you know back in the nineties, whatever uh the 90s and 2000s not the 2090s um <laughs> but they they started with the ipod ad and they were really breaking the ipod ad down do you remember the the first ipod ads where they were just like this color and a silhouette person was dancing mm-hmm. you could tell they had the ipod on and part of the, what they were saying is like that was an invitation to insert yourself into that commercial it was like the yeah. silhouette was intentional so that you could see yourself enjoying the iPod. And the point of the whole blog was is that Apple, Pepsi, and all these others they mentioned at the time were some of the first to really embrace this kind of, um, this kind of marketing where we're just showing you who you could be if you do yeah. this instead of telling mm-hmm. you what all the features of our product. And I think when we talk to the youngest, younger generation, I think they're really interested in mentorship and being, uh, apprenticed. And I think they really want those things, but the church has given them features like come yeah. to this thing and you'll get, you'll increase, enhance your walk with Christ. Well, that's honestly, that's a feature. It's a great feature, yeah. but it's a feature, you know, that doesn't tell them really anything about who they want to be because they don't know what a good walk with Christ looks like. So, yeah. so I can't insert myself into that, into that kind of um, copy or into that kind of advertisement from the church, because I don't know what you're trying to tell me to be. I know what I'll get if I do it. But I also know that I have no clue if that's the kind of person I want to be. So, so it's like this whole, uh, um, when we're talking to to the next generation about things that they want to change, you know, they want to attach it to like, who am I going to be if I do this with you? And we're not thinking about that at all.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think even, even worse, sometimes what happens is we, look down on the next generation yeah and so we say they need to go through the same thing that i went through if they're going to be successful and i think the 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 sad part about that is that's that's a that's a tragic view on running the race right if we're running Mm -hmm. a relay race i don't give the baton to someone and say okay now rerun my leg what i do is i say okay now you run your leg i ran your leg so you don't have to and so I'm going to teach you, hopefully, the wisdom of what I ran, and I'm going to teach you the lessons I learned, but I know that your race is going to be completely different than my race, and I want to empower you to run your race. I'm not going to I'm not going to say, this is what your success has to look like. This is what your walk with God has to look like. This is what your generation has to look like. Instead, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to give you as much as I can and encourage you to run your race, and at some point, you're going to look completely different than me, and that's okay. Absolutely. Dude, it's scary.
0: It, it's very scary. <laughs> and I think, I think fear is a big part of this. And I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you what, what you think about this is how much, how much of a part does fear play into the church leadership now? And when we see things on the horizon, we see things like this, this tech boom and how we communicate. I think pastors are aware of this. I th- mm-hmm. uh, you know, elder boards and whatever may be less aware of it. I'm not sure but some of the people on staff, I mean, especially like, come on, there's 19,000 people in a Facebook group called church communicators. Huh. There's not that many of us doing this just full time. So they're wearing yeah. multiple hats. So there's gotta be a lot of pastors in there hearing about this stuff. Is there fear driving a lot of decisions about the future in the church, in your opinion?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's fear of not being relevant like I, I think the 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 fear is that if if I'm not part of what you're doing, then I'm irrelevant and you're and you're probably doing something like I I don't know, it's a real it's really complicated. I think it's a very multifaceted issue. Yes. But I think there is definitely some fear and I think it's a a fear of the unknown. Like if if it's not something I experience, it must be wrong. Mm. Uh and that's that's um that's just not true because, man, that's that's a very arrogant place to be, I, I think, where if you're like, you have to live the way I lived, that means that nothing good exists out of what you've done, so you assume your life has been perfect, your walk with God has been perfect, but, man, God is so much bigger than that. You think culturally, like, yes. the, the, way, the way Christians in China worship is different than the way Christians in America worship, yet both of those are right, and, like, God loves both of those forms of worship and all the different countries and the tribes, the different, the different villages, the different nations that are in Africa. And like, it's just, there's so many, I mean, I'm not even talking about countries in Africa. I'm talking about the different tribes and nations that are like tiny little things that are apart from that, you know, state lines, um, man, all of those are different, different expressions and they all are valid. And I think that's the same way with generations, just like there's multicultural, uh, validity. I think there's multi-general generational validity where, you know, just like, you know, what my dad experienced is different than what I experienced yet. Both of those are right. What the next generation is going to experience is different than what I'm experiencing. And that's, that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important for us to just be there to be like pointing out those things like, Hey, this is one of those things that I learned. It doesn't look the same, but this is, this is the thing that I was talking about. You know, it's like, Hey, this is when it pops up right here. Here's how you can be follow Christ in your context, in, in the way you're living. Like for, for me growing up in, I, I'm 39. So I remember dial up internet. I remember AOL discs. <laughs> I remember that. And I I was actually a youth pastor in 2000, 2001. I remember the worship wars, man. I remember when it was like, you uh. couldn't have drums in church. We had to sing out of a hymnal and this is like the Baptist, you know, South or whatever. But yeah. some of the, some of the mega churches ha- were, were able to, pull all this stuff together and do it really well. But for the rest of us, we were in the trenches, man fighting for our lives and getting fired because we had, you know, we moved the piano, you know, stupid things yeah. like that. So there's a lot of like technological advances and philosophical advances that happened. In, just as a youth pastor growing up, like I remember uh, when I first played an electric guitar with drums in our youth group, which was in a totally separate building.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like it was discussed at the deacons meeting, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. And so I think there's some, some in the, some of that in our past of, of thinking that whatever the new, new version of what we used to do comes up, it's like, it's not okay. But um, I wanted to ask you, what do you see on the horizon that the church, you think like this is coming and the church, I think it's going to have to deal with this, that maybe the next generation is bringing, it might be a little different than what we're used to.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think what's already happening is is the whole political idea like the realizing that people will believe differently than you but that shouldn't threaten you yeah. is one thing. Um realizing that like well I think really what happens is is inevitably every generation uh you're like, oh man, why won't they let me like have my voice? Why won't they let me do what I'm doing? Right. Like that's how, that's what I felt. Yes. And the thing is, I, if I'm not careful, I'm probably going to do that with the next generation. Like it's so, so yeah. crazy how we don't realize that we're doing the exact same thing that was done to us. Yes. yes. Um, so it's, so that's the thing I, to be honest, like Right now, even as a, as I lead worship of my church, like there is an eighteen year old or a seventeen year old that's coming up, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm going to let this guy lead songs, and I'm going to ask him what songs he wants to do because already I realize i'm thirty three. Like, I'm not going to be the cool person anymore. Like the music is probably going to get outside of what. I, like I still yeah. like the music right now. Like I love it. But at some point, like there will be a new genre or a new style and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be a part of that And realizing, yeah. that like my preferences are not as important as, him getting to lead the charge and encouraging him and being there to support him. And I think that's the key. That's the way to, to never lose relevance is if you're always encouraging the dreams of others of the next generation, you're always going to have a place of relevance.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, we, on our communications team at hope, we have to do um, designs for like t-shirts and things like that. We release like gear twice a year and we're about to get to where we're, we're about to release our fall, I hate to call it a fall line. That's not really what it is. But in fall, we were releasing some, some more hope gear and, uh-huh. um, we're designing stuff and we're going, okay, I don't really like this, but I think this would work. You know, it's like we're, we're uh-huh. recognizing that, that we're getting a little older and we maybe don't have our thumb on the design, cool design button as yeah. as much as we thought, as we used to. And and we're okay with that. So what we're doing is we're trying to like invite some of the younger Design. Not that you have to be young to be cool or anything like that, but just getting some new ideas, some fresh ideas yeah. that might hit our demographic a little bit better, and and coming up with some great things, and and it's worked really well. We've seen some of the stuff that our youth group has done. We've gone, let's do that, and we've incorporated even some of our kids ministry stuff and said, let's let's give something for the kids, and you know it's been really cool. But it's it's it takes a lot of uh, uh, I don't know strategic humility. To yeah. say, I don't really think I know everything about what's cool here. And that's super well, and takes, hard.
1: I think one thing that's hard for, I mean, I see this in, I, I've, I've had to make this change is I used to want to be a graphic designer, right? Like, and I would design graphics and I was like, so I, I, I did, I was the doer. Right. Uh, yeah. and then I met this guy, Joe Cavazos, who is an amazing designer Yeah. <laughs> like, and I realized, okay, I'm not a designer. So <laughs> I, exactly. I had to change my role. Like we, we work in a company together and I had to change my role to realize, okay, I'm not the doer at this point. What, what can I offer to the picture? And so my whole role has changed in, in what I'm doing and it is changing again. And I am realizing my, my, my role is changing in the way that I write and my w- role is changing. Like at, at some point mm-hmm. I, I stop becoming the doer and I start becoming the empowerer and then I start becoming the, like the wise sage that doesn't like limit, but that like helps direct, right? Like there's, yeah. there's these different roles that we need to go through. There's these just, that happens in change in life. And I think some people get stuck in the doer and they find their identity in the doing. And they real, they don't realize that like, no, they actually have a greater identity waiting for them if they're willing to step out of that and help empower the doers.
0: Absolutely. And I think this next generation is going to value uh, things that we never, that we've kind of done as an afterthought so far. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some churches have taken it to the next level, like online church. Having community online, I think that's going to be a huge factor for the next generation. And right now, we're kind of playing with it. And I think there's multi-site, just like multi-site was several years ago. People were like, "That'll never work with video venues and and multi-site church." So many churches have adopted it it, and it's like getting you know mixed reviews, but it it still works. It's still happening. Uh, Having multiple speakers and teachers, you know, on the stage and not just having the senior pastor teach, you know, 52 weeks out of the year. Well, 51, except for the one after Christmas. That's the youth pastor. weekend. (laughs) That's when he talks. So, uh, right. Am I I right? Right, everybody. Everybody's high five and punching the air in the car right now. So. uh, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things like that that are just, you know, or even just like embracing content that we're creating for like YouTube that has no teaching material. It's just a vlog that we made that helps marriages, you know, five ways to get your marriage back on track. And the last one has come to one of our marriage things, you know, or something like that. So that kind of thinking is how it, the church is like looking at it and going, okay, I see that stuff. Nah, you know, and I, I think that's where we're, we have to kind of perk up and go, what's, yeah. what's, what's coming. How are we going to prepare for that? Because we want to put our head down and just work. And we want to get yeah. the most done out of our week when really it's, it's, it's creating that white space to look up and dream a little bit and see the future a little bit and go, okay, what's, what's, what's about to happen here and how, yeah. how can we be ready for it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I even, even speaking to your idea of YouTube, man, to be honest, like that five, the five things that, that, that work, like, that's even shifting away from like man what if the pastor just shows him like taking his wife out on a date and like saying this is what i'm doing and this is what i'm doing special and this yeah. is why i'm doing it Document. like like just showing yeah just showing the life that these people want to live like the people in your congregation want to see the life that they want to have and then you're help like in a sense you're showing them it's possible and and it's interesting cuz i was talking to one of the one of the generation z guys and he's like you know i don't want his He said, he's like, I don't want them to flex, right? Like that was his his term, you know, (laughs) like I hate it when people flex on Instagram and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) He's like, you know, when you're like, you got like all your gold bracelets on, you're like your gold necklace and you're just like, you're showing off, like you're just showing off how awesome you are. Like no one can be like me. They don't want that. Instead, they want something that's actually tangible and saying, this is possible. This is like, this is something that's great in my life, but it's possible.
0: Man, that's so great. That's so great. I, I had a kid once that would never. She was in my youth group, and man, uh, one of the things about her, I was constantly trying to break this down, is that she would never let anybody see her fail or admit that she didn't have something together. And if she did talk about something she was struggling with, she'd already fixed it and worked it out by the time she's telling you. And, uh-huh. and, and it was like some people would go, "Wow, she's really inspirational," because she'd always talk in the youth group. You know what I'm saying? Like we had share time, she's always the one that wanted to cheer. Uh, here's this thing I wrestled with, but now I got it together. And she portrayed this version of herself where it has it together. And I'm going, man, I know you don't. And then finally I start to look at the other kids and when she talk, they kind of get this look on their face, like beat down until finally one of the kids were like, man, I don't think I'm ever going to be as good as she is. And I was like, why are why are you even, why are you trying? You know, it's that, that creates actually a sense of I'll never get there. And it's based on a lie.
1: Yeah. And that it sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. And that's, and that's, that's, that's a, it's interesting because millennial culture is one of oversharing. It, like we share yes. everything and we want to like everyone to see us all the time. And a big factor, like I had to, the, one of these guys that I was like, he wants to be a musician. And I'm like, dude, why aren't you putting music out there? He's like, ah, I don't want to like, I don't want to like, I don't want everyone to see every part of my life. Like it's the generations, the next generation is not about oversharing. They've seen the right. dangers of what my generation has done. And so there's, they're not doing that because they're like, man, I don't like that.
0: Well, let's, let's talk through the communication directors at churches. Cause we're, often we're on the front lines of seeing a lot of this kind of change on the horizon and we're the ones going, Hey, here's this new cool thing. Here's this new cool thing. And everybody's going, yeah, shut up. So, uh-huh. uh, so what would you suggest to them when, as we see new things coming and we're trying stuff in the background before anybody else even knows it to think like I'm trying IGTV and at my church and there's people going, what's IGTV? You know, I'm like, sure, Uh of course you're not supposed to know what that is yet. I mean, it's not your job, I guess it'd be cool if you did. But what would you suggest we do a couple of pointers, maybe strategy points of how do we get people who need to change to change when it comes to some of this new
1: stuff we see coming? Didn't you didn't you blog about this recently? It was something really good. I did. I kind of want to know what you think. <laughs> then why are you asking me? That was a really good blog. <laughs> well one? Which one was that? I can't remember. I remember what kind of what I said. I forget what I called it. Well, you, th- you. It was. It was. It was. Yeah, the different ways. You need to link that up in the show notes if you can, because yeah. it was it was phenomenal. I thought it was really good. You oh, talked thanks. about you know you talked about taking taking down metrics. Uh, keeping track of specific oh, yeah. stories that you had. It was really good stuff, man. You got to, yeah, gotta, that,
0: that, that was something like, like X number of content, X <laughs> number of ways to get people who don't care about social to care about social or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that was one of recent blocks.
0: But there's yeah, a lot, I think I think, what's there, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff coming though. I mean, other than just social media and, oh, yeah. and obviously those, are, you know, I'll link up to that and you guys can go, but what, what have you done in the past that's helped you out when you're trying to get a pastor or somebody on staff to go, Hey, maybe we should look at this as a, as a possible shift because I mean there's some things that are big shifts like seeing online attendance as attendance. Yeah. You know, that's a big shift that a lot of pe- pastors just don't want to make. And they're like adamant I'm not doing that.
1: You know. Yeah, and so I mean, I, mean like- I think I think the biggest option, the biggest way to do it is to show them like what that means is if you see something that like you, you can you can explain it to them all all you want, but if you show it to them, so if you take them to a conference, if you maybe bring in someone who is affected by IGTV, or if you if you bring in someone and let them share their story, like you need to show them there has to be more this goes back to the comeback effect. It has to be more than a task, like I will give them the five reasons that this should work. No, what you give them is the pathos, the the emotion of it, the feeling of yeah. it. Whenever people can feel something, that's when they'll remember it and that's when it'll impact their lives. So you gotta, you gotta find a way to make, and that's, I think that's a, isn't that a, a shift that Jeff Bezos is doing where like no longer do they, they can't use PowerPoints anymore in their meetings. They have to tell a story. Yeah. Uh, that's the way they have to go about meetings. Now you have to tell a story that try that, that tells your point. Right. Yep. Uh, and that's the way Ted talks works. The same thing. You tell a story, you draw them in, you give, make them feel the emotional weight of it, and then you drive home your point. So. That's really what it is. And that's, that's something that's valuable to learn as a leader. Whenever you're leading someone that you're underneath, sometimes you have to lead them through change, even though you're underneath them in the, in, in you know, the hierarchy. And so really it's about getting that emotion, getting that pathos across the, the, the urgency and the burden for it. If we don't do this, this is what will happen. This is what we will lose.
0: Yeah. And And I'll give a quick example. Um, one of a guy on my team, our designer, Craig, he was, asking a question about Facebook and how it worked. He was like, I don't, why don't we just do, I forget what he said. And I was like, Oh, because nobody will see it. And he was like, nobody will see it. Why do we post? And I was like, Oh dude, do you not know how the algorithm works? So I get on my whiteboard and I start drawing like, okay, so here is the, here's the way it works. You show this and you got 2% and I get really excited about it. And I don't really realize that I'm super excited about this nerdy thing. And then uh-huh. I look over and he goes, Whoa, I never had it explained that way. That's actually really exciting. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. Okay, cool. I'm glad you're excited. I don't, I don't know what I did. I just got excited about it. And I think that communicates so much when you're passionate about, uh, and you let uh, about something, you let it come through and then you can back it up with some actual, you know, numbers, facts or whatever you need to, to drive that point home. But to your point, your
1: pastor was as excited about your role as you are, then you'd be unnecessary because they'd probably already be doing it.
0: Maybe if they had time.
1: Yeah. but I mean, I think that's really the case. Like, uh, like My pastor still wants to do graphics and like he loves doing that. Uh, So consequently, like we have volunteers doing graphics, but like we we don't have like someone who needs to do it because he loves doing it. Like, uh, Yet there are things that he doesn't want to do that, man, like they need to sell it to him because that's not something he's passionate about. So that's why he hired them to be passionate about it for it.
0: It's kind of like if you if you pay attention to the to uh, the rock, the rocks, Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. that guy is on his own Instagram a lot, but he has people that are helping him. I mean, they're taking high quality photos for him and uploading. Mm -hmm. He's not doing that by himself, but he's on there doing it himself a lot. Like he is talking to the camera. He is taking photos. He is, he is in stories. So he's doing that, but he's getting help too. And I think for us, you know, we're, we're passionate about what we do, we can actually get somebody else on board to help us do some of that stuff. And if it's your pastor, all the better to get him on there and start talking to the crowd. I think, I think one of the biggest tragedies is that pastors don't realize that they can actually talk to their people. The other, you know, like Brady, Brady Shearer says, 167 Mm -hmm. hours of the week. Yeah. You know, you can actually talk to your people more than just on Sundays and Saturdays.
1: And and that's, that's huge. That's a shift. Yeah, and you just need to phrase that. I had to phrase this. I was talking to someone. I was meeting with them at their church and helping them through, and I was he's like, you know, I get the idea for social media. I just don't really feel the passion for it. I'm like, okay, so your wife, you get you get a chance to spend an hour with her every week. Is that enough for you? Like, what if you could spend time with her throughout the week in just little bits, even just a minute here and there? Wouldn't that be of value to you? And he's like, well, yeah, it sure would. I'm like, that's what social media is, man. Yeah. You have the chance to to really develop that relationship. It doesn't happen enough even two hours, even one hour on Sunday and one hour on Wednesday, even if you had every night of the week, that still probably wouldn't be enough to really foster that deep relationship.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, man, I could sit here and talk to you all day about this stuff. Um, <laughs> tell people where they can get in touch with you online and find, first of all, find your book. And then where can we connect with you? Like on Twitter or Instagram or wherever?
1: Yeah. Uh, find the comeback effect on Amazon Um, I would love if you bought it and then wrote a review because reviews are like gold to a, to an author, like even if they're bad reviews, even if like, frankly, a one-star review is sometimes better than a five-star review. If you explain why, uh because it helps actually. Like that's what I do is I look for the one star view. So, anyways, sorry, don't want to don't want to rag on, on that. No, but good. review, it's great. Do it do it for all the books that you've read. Even even not me, do it for any book that you've read. Uh but yeah, and then or if a you podcast me, you I,
0: listen to, like this hey, one. Hey, hey, I'll take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but also find me on uh Instagram is really a big platform that I'm using a lot and focusing most of my efforts on. So at Jonathan Malm on Instagram where you can uh, find me on Facebook, uh, at author, Jonathan mom, I need to clean that up a little bit better, but, uh, yeah, find me on, but especially Instagram. I love connecting with people on Instagram.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you, you do put out some great stuff on Instagram, especially we are fellow Instagram lovers. Um, of it's the about platform. to be
1: shifting. Let me tell you, based on this, this research I've been doing.
0: It, yeah. Uh, man, they've been putting stuff out like constantly. And I think, is it the 16th tomorrow? Is it the 16th or 18th? I can't remember. It's the birthday. 16th of
1: tomorrow. What, what, are you, what is it though? The
0: birthday of Instagram. Oh, wow. Uh, when, well, this is, we're recording this on the 15th of July. So July 16th, yes. I believe, is the, the day of the birth of Instagram. So I imagine they're going to drop some updates or something cool, but they've been rolling updates out like crazy.
1: Yeah, that question thing blew up. Ask me a question. That one like yes. already people were upset about it like 2 hours later. Like I'm sick of this feature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just want the one you can add music to your stories. Yeah. Like, like other people have that and I don't have that yet. And I'm like that's the one I'd use cuz so many times I have a great story, a video and I'm like man, it would be really cool if I could soundtrack this a little bit with
1: Oh, the licensing on that must be dreadful though. It
0: must be. I bet that's what's dragging it down. Yeah. But anyway, well, Jonathan, thanks so much, man, for, for talking to us about change. I know you're, you're one of those guys always looking to the future on the forefront of things. So thank you for being out there and, and, uh, trying things and doing research and asking people questions and getting people talking about the stuff in communications and in the church world we need to talk about, man. It's really great.
1: Yeah. Love it. It's, it's, it's more for my own survival than for anyone else's benefit, but you know, well, that's,
0: what's awesome. It's like, find what you need to do and then just share it with others and they'll love it too. Yeah. It's, it's such a good formula for finding your place in the world kind of thing. Uh um, well, if you want the show notes, I'm going to put all these links we talked about in the show notes. You can go to sethmuse.com slash 64 and get the show notes for this episode thanks everybody for listening and, and paying attention. I would love for a, a, you to go and give me a review or a rating on iTunes. That'd be awesome. And definitely go get this book and get, get it when it comes out. Jonathan, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Seth. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. The seminary of hard knocks is brought to you by the chihuahuas next door. Yeah. 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 Shut up. I'm trying to record a podcast.